have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm Because not everyone's last name is Gates. Make an impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. AdTech Connect, your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Masha Geller. I'll be your host today for the AdTech Radio Live as we come to you every Thursday to talk about the latest in interactive news. And today I'm joined by John Vincent, who's the CEO of iWonder. iWonder's been in business since 1999, and they're a leading provider of rich media and online video advertising products and services. Um, John, welcome. Thank you, Masha. I appreciate that. There you are. Um, so... Let's start with the latest and greatest about I wonder. You guys are expanding into Ireland, I hear. Yeah, that's correct. We, uh, we're excited to be expanding in, in Europe right now. We have been doing quite a bit of business in the Irish market, and uh, one of our biggest customers decided to, um, to become actually uh, heading up the managing director role in, uh, in our Irish market now based in Dublin. So we're excited to have that and maintain the relationships he has with a number of different brands there. And that's Barry Bedford, right? That's correct, Barry Bedford. That's exactly correct. He's got about seven and a half years' experience in, in the uh, digital marketing world and uh, was just a, a dedicated customer and became uh, now a, a great uh, internal partner at the company. Um, and seven and a half years is just about the amount of time that you guys have been in business, right? Let's yeah, that's... talk about the start of I Wonder. You okay. Google.com, com, two guys in a, be- in a basement story, <laughs> yeah. or is it different? <laughs> no, you know what? We were probably one of those same type of stories, literally founded over a Heineken and, uh, mm-hmm. in, in 1999, uh, mid-year. Um, a dream of br- being able to bring video technology that didn't, re- didn't require a downloaded media player. So uh, we were we were one of those groups that was trailblazing all the different markets in the world of video and advertising was one of those and video conferencing and um, social network type uh, you know dating applications and uh, self publishing and you name it we were distance learning etc. Um, about in 2004 uh, the the demand in the advertising vertical was just overwhelming so we focused directly in that core, and uh, that's kind of the first four years of our business, and ever since been totally focused in uh, the vertical of the online advertising space. Um, you guys are one of the pioneers of the rich media space, um, along with iBlast, a point role, and, you know, all the companies that everybody is very familiar with. Tell me about uh, what you see as the evolution since 1999. How has the business changed since that Heineken? <laughs> Well, you know, that's a, that's a good question. The, uh, the original concept of rich media, I think, was like the sex appeal and, and how cool and catchy um, the creative was. And that, that was almost the objective at, at that point. Small amount of money was being moved online. And the, the catchier and, and more attention-grabbing um, aspects of media were certainly compelling. Now, in uh, 06 and moving forward, there's so much larger spends and that um, it's, it's beyond just the catchiness, and it's moving now into truly how do you effectively deploy large uh, budgets that are mission critical to the success of companies at their brand level, as opposed to the concept of, say, a testing budget. Now, when you've got companies like GM and Procter & Gamble and Ford moving significant percentages of their budget to the online environment, um, the bar has been raised. 
And so it, it's gone from a testing environment to now truly um, a competitive advantage if you can execute successfully for your brands online. Mm-hmm. At the iMedia uh, brand conference last week, um, one of the power panels was still talking about um, interactive not quite yet sitting at the big kids' table. Um, but you're talking about bigger brands moving, bigger budgets online. Are you really seeing that, or is that more wishful thinking? We're seeing definitely that. Um, we, we today uh, have seen probably a tripling of um, spend per customer that we worked with last year into this year. Um, maybe that's one reason that we're, you know, kind of growing at the pace that we're growing at right now, but, um, and maybe that's a testament to some of the effectiveness that we've had for our specific customers, and I'm not sure if uh, if the other market uh, out there is not seeing that level of growth, then, um, then I'm not sure what's going on with them and their customers, but we're definitely seeing um, the, the online side, especially the brand objectives, um, seeing much greater budgets being brought to their, to their uh, table. Is that true of specific categories more so than others, like automotive or entertainment? Yeah, it's, go- it's going kind of wider than where it was before, but you're right. Entertainment was a very large vertical for us, and con- that is continuing to be uh, successful there. Um, the f- the- we're seeing pharmaceuticals. We're seeing packaged goods now. Um, we're seeing, uh, obviously, automotive continues to ramp up significantly as well. It's now basically all of the core big television-oriented advertisers um, who are realizing that their effective cost of using TV um, per their marketing objectives going up because of fragmentation of media and lack of potential effective creative executions, much more compelling opportunities to get brand interaction online um, and still have the emotional connection now that's possible with video. So that was what was missing with broadband penetration where it's at today. um, Those emotional connections are still feasible with a tremendous amount of variable like uh, uh, reporting metrics on the brand side that that are uh, allowing people to more intelligently deploy, deploy their budgets. You mentioned creative and television. A lot mm-hmm. of the advertisers out there are simply repurposing their television commercials, and a lot of rich media video providers, like yourself, are complaining that they're just not taking advantage of all that interactive online video advertising can offer. Um, mm-hmm. what, what would you say to that? Well, um, what we try to do is work with a, with a customer as to here's the opportunity in front of you, and then try to understand specifically what's reasonable for their agency and and that customer with respect to what creative assets they have at that time, what timelines they're trying to work with, et cetera. We're not really necessarily complaining about um, the missed opportunities. What we focus on is making sure that they optimally execute what's realistic at that time. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe it does mean that they repurpose their their video that was already shot, say, a quarter before or something like that, and it's already running a, a TV flight, but then bring in other interactive aspects that can be produced very quickly um, that leverage against that video that was already in the can. So it's taking a repurpose and now getting optimal value out of that. And then the next time through, they have metrics to work from to try to shoot different video that um, could both work online and offline and be able to leverage video to its fullest as well. So it's a matter of working with what is there at that time, be optimal, and then learn from it. And that's a significant difference that we bring than I think some of our other um, competitors. 
Mm-hmm. Um, as far as pre-planning is concerned, um, obviously everything that you're saying requires a tremendous amount of pre-planning on the part of the agency and the marketer. Is that a difficult sell? Is that something that you're still fighting an uphill battle for? Think about interactive first, not as an afterthought? Um, you know, I guess that's gotten a lot easier now, luckily. We're, we're being brought in on a pre-planning stage for significant budgets that have already been allocated to the online space, and then it's just what we're doing is they're leveraging against us for best practices at a creative level and also at what publishing sites to work with um, that are allowing and, and, and supporting the most compelling creative executions for rich media. Um, it, you know, sometimes the, the budgets will actually increase during the campaign, and maybe that's indicative of, of some other monies that we're kind of stuck in planning that we didn't even know about necessarily. But mm-hmm. we're, we're not seeing a challenge in actually um, helping our creative agencies or our media planning, online media planning, garner budget. Um, that There's definitely a – actually, it's, it's almost the opposite right now. Some of our customers have so much budget coming to them that we're trying to help them deal with the, the challenges because it, it has creative bottlenecks for them, and we're bringing creative services as well as new technologies to help increase creative production. Um, so they can actually deploy that money. It's uh, yeah, it's a little bit of the opposite of that. Interesting. What kind of creative services do you offer? Well, we we actually have two different. One is we we kind of have a wholesale model um, related to creative shops that may be totally inundated at the production level of producing rich media. So they may be have already produced what we call ideation. They've got storyboards laid out, etc. Um, they just don't have the staff and the, and the ability to, to turn it around in time. So in that instance, we actually do that production for them. And in most cases, that cost gets embedded into our serving fees and, and standard uh, level uh, relationship on the, on the media side. If, in fact, it's a significant amount of work, we may ultimately give them kind of a discount on the production side. And, uh, and then that would get added on to our costs. The, the other solution is a technology that we've developed, initially developed for internal utilization in our production team at iWonder and have been using it for the last eight months or so, um, released it to a couple core agency partners this last couple months in beta, and, and the response has just been fantastic. It's called AdWonder Component, and it's actually a plug-in directly into Flash. And in short, it, it enables a, a production team inside an agency that working with Flash to, to produce about five times faster. Uh, rich media uh, supported in iWonders format already has built-in specification checks and Q&A, and in, it enables agencies to produce much, much greater quantities of, uh, of rich media in iWonders format in a much shorter period of time, and that's helping them with that bottleneck as well. So whichever, whichever way an agency wants to work with us, we either give them that tool for free um, in fact, uh, Adobe is actually partnered up with us and, and is um, actually helping us distribute that to their uh, Flash Studio users throughout the interactive agency world. And um, we're really excited about that. The agency response has just been overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Would you say the level of expertise when it comes to interactive video at the agency level is increasing? Or yeah, are they still preferring to outsource everything to somebody who actually knows what they're doing? Well, um, that's a, it's an interesting question. Yes, the 
the skills are increasing, they still don't want to deal with what's called encoding, which is just an extremely laborious task and somewhat technical in dealing with encoding videos. So they, they all universally want to outsource that, and obviously we do that for, for our customer partners. What we're also doing is trying to take our knowledge internally and educate and consult with creative agencies about optimal best practices. Um, what type of interactions are working best, what type of video links to use, and, and how do you el- elicit the right type of uh, interaction and brand, you know, time spent with the brand, et cetera. So we've got a reporting system that we've built, and now what we're doing is taking a lot of just tremendous knowledge over thousands and thousands of campaigns and figuring out, you know, what are scalable ways that we consult to our, to our agency customers, both on the media planning side as well as on the creative side. So uh, very quickly, these people are learning and, and leaning into the relationship with us and, and elevating their skills. So that's, that's what our goal is, to try to make sure our agency partners uh, have the, the best information to work from and ultimately create the most compelling creative. That sounds good. John, we're going to take a really quick break here okay. and come back and talk about the best practices that you just mentioned. Okay, great. Sit tight and don't move. Ad Tech Connect. We'll be right back. <laughs> Sink your teeth into 100% original programming. WebmasterRadio.fm And try our daily search cast. It's made fresh every day. WebmasterRadio.fm Attend the Public Relations Event of the Year, the 2006 PRSA International Conference, benchmarking your public relations strategies with the best. Conference registration gets you insider access to dynamic speakers and unparalleled strategies and networking events. Register at PRSA.org to receive a $100 early bird discount off your registration. Qualified non-members will receive a bonus one-year PRSA membership. Visit PRSA.org for details. WebmasterRadio.fm, the official radio network of the 2006 PRSA International Conference. Best of the Web, the Internet's oldest directory, EOTW.org, since 1994. Our editors scour the web, finding quality sites, providing you with spam-free resources, relevant information from valuable sites. Submit your site now for a guaranteed review in three days or less. For Webmasters needing additional exposure, check out our 60-day free trial on category sponsorships. 60 days free advertising. No kidding. And don't forget the Best of the Web's reseller program with the industry's highest commissions. 25% recurring commission on all products and services. Bloggers, make sure to check out the BOTW blog directory and the recently launched volunteer editor program to help build the best blog resource on the web. AdTech New York. AdTech New York. The number one event for interactive marketing takes place November 6th through 8th. AdTech New York will feature groundbreaking sessions, hands-on technology showcase, advanced network opportunities, and as always, hot, hot sizzling parties. Hear the speakers, meet the exhibitors, and be part of tomorrow's buzz in today's digital world. From the alley to the avenue, it's AdTech New York, November 6th through the 8th. For more information, go to ad-tech.com. Ad-tech.com. 
Now, experience the future of web design and development with a whole new level of efficiency, expressiveness, and simplified workflow. Introducing Studio 8, a compilation of the latest releases from Dreamweaver, Flash Professional, Fireworks, Contribute, and Flash Paper. Sure to inspire you to create superior online video sites and mobile content. And now, through this exclusive WebmasterRadio.fm offer, listeners can save a whopping $100 off Studio 8. Visit the online store at Adobe.com or contact Adobe Customer Services and provide promo code Webmaster Radio in order to receive your discount. Studio 8, your way to create. Digimix, Ego, Machismo, Unadulterated Cockiness. Fantastic ideas, full-hearted business plans, gut-wrenching stories, fascinating particulars, turn-ons and tips from the web world with host Susan Bratton. Get the whole mix, the Dishy Mix, every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, only on webmasterradio.fm. Drop into the Webmaster chat room. Webmasterradio.fm. Clothing is optional. Webmasterradio.fm. Webmasterradio.fm. Now, back to AdTech Connect, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Masha Gelly, your host for this Thursday's edition of AdTech Radio Live. And if you're just joining us, we're talking with John Vincent, the CEO of iWonder. iWonder is one of the leading providers of rich media and online video advertising on the web. And just before the break, John, um, we were talking about your company providing agencies with creative services and counseling them on the best practices of online video. What would be, like, the top five best practices that you would suggest agencies adhere to? Yeah, well, I think one of the points in the best practice side of the equation is actually helping agencies realize what's feasible and what isn't feasible and asking the right questions about a timeline that they're working with. Truly helping the agencies understand the best practices of how to work with their customers and leverage against rich media. So that's the first step. The next one gets down into, okay, now that you know those questions, you you have a scope to work from a creative standpoint and also a media planning standpoint. So we try to also help the media planning and the creative shops work together in such a way that they can optimally create as opposed to sometimes there's a disconnect where a media planning group will buy inventory that's, for instance, not even supporting rich media, and the creative shop is producing a rich media campaign. And then ultimately, then, it loses Yeah, but that, that's been the bane of advertising agencies for as long as yep. anybody can remember on a traditional side and now on the interactive side as well, yep. right? Yeah. And, uh, and rich media uh, providers like like I wonder, have historically not tried to get involved and help that issue. And now we do. And and we see the results actually coming out at a much higher efficacy from a creative standpoint and more efficient spend. And ultimately, the, the key issues that, that anybody has, both the advertiser and then, of course, the agency support that, is make sure they get a campaign live, make sure it mm-hmm. fits the scope, and it's all of the dollars that were supposed to be spent get spent. So that's mm-hmm. like simple concept right there. Hard to, hard to do, just like you mentioned in practice. Right. Now, we actually look at that as, okay, we must do that, and we do a very, very good job. We're now taking it to the next level and bringing in creative practices that are much more effective and making sure they still hit on time and scope and, and all the spend. So depending on the vertical, like, for instance, let's say entertainment and, and movies, theatrical releases, um, we have a couple different products that we've seen work very well, um, or, or we'll call it features, to our product. 
Obviously, the utilization of video is, is normally a must. Um, an expand feature upon a rollover, which has a lower threshold so that the, the video goes from whatever panel size it was originally to a larger panel size, it's uh, much more effective. Um, making sure that there's a movie listings and, and route to potentially purchase tickets and or get specific locations and times. It's another feature that is something that we offer to our customer base. And basically, that, so that's the first step is making sure we help that happen. And then you can get down into how do you increase production capacity, which is a way to basically create many more creative examples, and then you can review those and still be able to meet your timeline. So we built a product, which is our uh, AdWonder component, to increase that production capacity there so that people don't, like, make two tries or two swings at the, at the plate, so to speak. They've got 10 or 15 different creatives. They can send those off into their customer, get feedback, and turn those around very quickly. That, that is, we've seen that as increasing the effectiveness significantly. And then what else I was talking about, like, for instance, in the uh, entertainment, like, movie theatrical side, is making sure that we consult from a creative feature standpoint, what are some of the most successful features that drive the highest level of interactive, uh, interactivity with the, uh, with the, the specific movies that are going to be released? Um, and then going back and, and working with, for instance, some of the reporting that we've, we've seen or third-party research that's been done on us with, like, for instance, the dynamic logic study, um, we, we go back and leverage against that compared to ourselves, and we're seeing which features ultimately per, outperformed our competitive um, landscape of rich media vendors, and we consult with, with our customers along those. Um, forward to a friend is, you know, one of those features, again, that helps leverage against the, the viral nature of, for instance, the entertainment vertical. But forward to a friend isn't necessarily one that would work with, like, say, uh, like a pharmaceutical. Um, that's, that's something that's usually pretty personal, and you don't necessarily want to be forwarding that. And that's an example of looks cool maybe for some creative um, and some verticals, but definitely not necessarily that, that compelling for that vertical. And it's, it's a matter of just bringing some, some information to our uh, customers and, and the agencies so that they don't go down a creative path that's, that's flawed. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a specific example or a case study? Um, in, in, I can talk to you, uh, I guess, at a more of a general level related to research that was just done on us um, compared to the other rich meat vendors um, by uh, the Dynamic Logic Mar- Market Norms Study. Um, okay. where, where specifically, um, you know, due to kind of the, the methodology that we practice with our customers, we're, we're outperforming um, at four of the five key brand metrics, that weighted, uh, aided brand awareness and message association, et cetera. Um, at, at the specific case study, I, you know, you normally can't describe a lot of, of, you know, a direct customer's campaign, but I can describe an example here of... Um, of successful campaigns, and this is a Ameritrade. Um, so, obviously, in the financial vertical, they wanted to be able to target aggressive traders. Um, what they ended up doing is taking a concept that was presented in their 30-second commercial, um, which was really all about trying to show that um, and target those aggressive uh, trading or uh, target market, and then broke it down to a much pers- much more personal level. They shot. Uh, 13 different video creatives out in Malibu. Each one of these people were actual customers. Um, they had four different people that were customers, three men and one woman, going across different demographics where people could interact and identify with somebody that met more of their, their personality. And they were able to click down multiple paths all within the ad 
um, and they had tremendous amount of time spent with their brand, and it was an extremely effective campaign. And mm-hmm. one of the, what was different in the way that they approached that campaign than what a lot of other advertisers do is they didn't try to drive a click-through back to a landing page or a site. They actually decided to take a tremendous amount of, of brand-oriented uh, content and move it into the ad and allow for people to stay at the site that they were at, interact with that, and it, it ended up driving much, much more time spent with the message that they wanted to get across. Mm-hmm. Was the um, creative shot specifically for the web? Yes. Yep. Okay. The production of that. And we worked with that agency uh, across about a six-month period of time, all the way from concepting. So we first started with them as letting them understand what sites would accept so they, they understood how they would have to basically build the first 30-second um, spot and then what would be technically allowed after that. So that gave them a, a kind of a creative palette concept. Then we started working with them with interactive ideas as to how to really uh, deploy their, their vision. Um, the idea of taking the, many of the features that would normally be on a landing page, um, and a lot of this content would normally be in a landing page, and you may just try to elicit a click-through down that landing page, really brought almost all that out into the banner ad. And that was a strategic decision based on some um, some research that we had on on interactive and rollover features and, and the such, and it mm-hmm. and it just drove much much higher level of interactivity than would normally click through and go to a landing page away from the uh, the site that they were they were reviewing. Okay, so what would you say is the most effective format overall? Well, <laughs> that's it. Um, well, I have to ask. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean. Uh, I, Okay, there are a lot of effective formats. Um, it really, you know, video is the most effective with the entertainment vertical because it's their entire product. It's really showing exactly what their message is and, and what they're all about. Um, that The video side is definitely the most effective there. When you move into, for instance, packaged goods, um, sometimes they're working with uh, a rollover feature that it can expand and try to show products um, so that they can get recognition on the shelf and the such, um, in addition to their leveraging against video um, in, in a lot of cases there, too, because they've already produced it, um, to be able to be more descriptive of their product. But they're looking at a, a, a rollover feature there primarily to be able to show the actual packaging and try to elicit the purchase you know, at, at whatever store they're marketing the product in. Sometimes they're also using couponing features, because they have a specific desire to try to track back to a store or to a, a specific market. Um, you know, clients are interested in understanding the effectiveness of their campaign at a revenue level as well as at uh, a brand awareness level. So it's, it, there isn't just one. It, if there were, I think the rich media business would be quite a bit different today and would, it would be um, probably just purely kind of commoditized technology and I guess the lucky thing for us is we've got technologies that optimize um, what a campaign is trying to accomplish, but at the same time, we've got a tremendous amount of market knowledge about what's effective for the for the specific campaign objective. And uh, no one specific creative is going to is going to be the silver bullet. It's a matter of going through a process. And that's true of just about anything on the web. Everything is on a case by case basis. Don, I want to thank you very, very much for joining us today. Good luck in Ireland, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. We're going to take a quick break here. Thanks a lot. And be back in a few minutes with Mark Naples, who is the rainmaker behind some of the biggest brands on the web. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
Sit tight and don't move. Ad Tech Connect. We'll be right back. Blog, blog, blog. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're the talk of the town. WebmasterRadio.fm. Thanks for listening. Ad Tech New York. Ad Tech New York. The number one event for interactive marketing takes place November 6th through 8th. Ad Tech New York will feature groundbreaking sessions, hands-on technology showcase, advanced networking opportunities, and as always, hot, hot, sizzling parties. Hear the speakers, meet the exhibitors, and be part of tomorrow's buzz in today's digital world. From the alley to the avenue, it's Ad Tech New York, November 6th through the 8th. For more information, go to ad-tech.com. Ad-tech.com. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. Textlinkads.com is your source for securing relevant links, baby. Textlinkads.com. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. Attend the Public Relations Event of the Year, the 2006 PRSA International Conference, benchmarking your public relations strategies with the best. Conference registration gets you insider access to dynamic speakers and unparalleled strategies and networking events. Register at PRSA.org to receive a $100 early bird discount off your registration. Qualified non-members will receive a bonus one-year PRSA membership. Visit PRSA.org for details. WebmasterRadio.fm, the official radio network of the 2006 PRSA International Conference. Katie Kempner. Katie Kempner. May I have your attention, please? Katie Kempner. Katie Kempner. Katie Kempner. Just a little bit about the hook. The hook. The hook. The hook. What I hope to do with the hook is to give you the chance to hear what my friends and colleagues are thinking about doing. 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 People in the marketing, PR, advertising industries right on the forefront, and including people that cover these industries. So what I'd like to do is what I'd like to do is what I'd like to do is help you make your job easier. What I'd like to do is what I'd like to do is what I'd like to do is join me each week two 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 o'clock on two Tuesdays Tuesday. Intersection of advertising and PR. Katie is on the real Katie. Girl, you want the slim Katie? So just demonstrating. So want the real slim Katie? Please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. Cause I'm slim Katie. Yes, I'm the real Katie. Girl, you want the slim Katie? So just demonstrating. So want the real slim Katie? Please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. Right here. Right here. Right here. Katie, Katie, Katie. Right here. Right here. Right here. Katie, Katie, Katie. On WebmasterRadio.fm. On the don't get caught in a web of confusion. Learn the ropes on webmasterradio.fm. Now, 
back to AdTech Connect, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Thursday afternoon. I'm Masha Geller. I'm your host for this Thursday's edition of AdTech Radio Live. And I'm joined now by Mark Naples, who, as I previously said, was is um, the rainmaker behind some of the biggest brands on the web. Mark is the managing partner for WIT Strategy in Philadelphia. Uh, WIT Strategy is a strategic communications consultancy that serves clients with media and marketing challenges in the U.S., Europe, and Latin America. Um, he's formerly the vice president of marketing, investor relations, and privacy officer for 24-7 Real Media. Uh, his experience in media, marketing, and public affairs with firms such as Ogilvy & Mather and Kearns and & West has ranged from lobbying for the baby bells as part of the Telecom Reform Act in uh, 94, and a whole lot of other stuff, Mark, you've been doing for a long time here. <laughs> I'm 140 years old. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, I want to talk to you today about uh, what you see in this business, um, kind of a very general bird's-eye view discussion. You've been in this business for a long, long time. You know exactly what's been going on for many, many years now. How do you see business evolving, the interactive marketing industry overall? Thanks, Mosh. Uh, it's good to be on the program today. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, the thing that I, I wanted to focus the comments on is, or my comments on is, is kind of uh, deconstructing the buzz around user-generated content. Um, ah, the biggest topic, huh? Yeah, well, it's one that a lot of people are talking about, but which uh, brands don't really know how to, how to take advantage of by and large, and which people, I think, are beginning to understand there's a lot of uh, danger in, uh, in, in you know, UGC. Let's just call it UGC for the purposes of the conversation. Um, I've been writing about it a lot in, uh, in my media column. In the last, uh, I could think two of the last three columns have been about some of the foibles uh, involved with UGC, and it just it reminds me of, of when our medium, when interactive as a whole, the web as a whole, was getting started, and there was so much mistrust, you know, about what's going on on the web. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a fun little uh, a fun little subset that's that's getting a lot of attention right now. How did this come about? A well, few months ago, even we were talking about online media, uh, online video, online video, online video being the biggest thing, and then blogs and you know behavioral targeting. Why why user generated? Why now? I think I think it's because of the eyeballs. I think it's just because of the the young eyeball specifically, and and this is it's like the best and worst thing about it, right? Because if you know anybody who's under the age of twenty five, you know that it's pretty likely they're going to have a profile on MySpace. It's pretty likely that they spend a lot of time, uh, you know, there and on Facebook. I mean, the numbers around MySpace are, are staggering. You know, uh, hundreds of thousands of new users all the time. Um, <clears throat> I don't know anybody. I, I have a uh, an intern who's a college student, I've got uh, you know, plenty of nephews and nieces who are really, really bright kids and you know, real top-of-their-class type kids, and they spend a lot of time on this. So if you, uh, in user-generated content situations anyway, if you are a marketer that wants to reach younger audiences, and so many do, of course, uh, and it's one of the reasons why marketers have gone to the web so much, uh, you, have to, you have to be mindful of where these eyeballs are. You say to yourself, well, if, uh, if this, you know, the average male who is 19 is spending literally an hour a day 45 minutes a day on MySpace, you know, I need to be there. Well, be careful is, is, is the message. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't mean to single out MySpace or, or Facebook or any of the others. It's, um, <clears throat> there's a real stratification among these sites, uh, and it's the top of the first inning. There's only one out in the top of the first inning. It's so, no, mm-hmm. so, so new um, that I think that people have to be really very worried. I mean, after all, despite MySpace having so many page views and so much buzz, 
I think the aggregate CPM right now is still only about seventy cents. So right. it's not like it's not like brands have really rushed to be on there. Um, mm-hmm. the, the kind of brands that uh, that were really driving it, driving the revenue in the beginning, and, and got people to notice it were things like record labels, um, you know, and certain products that are aimed at that audience. So unless you can rest assured that uh, you know a bad association within the pages uh, of your brand, bad, bad association with some of the content is something that won't bother you, then it's okay. You know, if you can be assured. But if you have any worriness about that, then it's, it's really a buyer beware situation. There's also a lot of legal issues that surround us, aren't there? Yeah, there, there, there are plenty. Um, in fact, uh, there's a lot of, uh, of talk now among you know, media lawyers that I, I do business with uh, that everybody's waiting for the, the first shoe to drop uh, in terms of lawsuits because of uh, digital rights, uh, because of who really owns the content uh, of some of the, especially the video ones, you know. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff on there that is, uh, is in contention or will be in contention. Uh, that's what I mean about it being the top of the first inning. I mean, it, it, it's really early on here now. So. Despite that, everybody's talking about it. It's the, the hottest topic of the industry right now. You go to any conference, and there's many, many panels and discussions and vendors, and you know everybody focusing on this. Yeah, and and it's, it's you're absolutely right, and it, and it, I, I guess it's merited because it is kind of cool, and it's it's, it's you know, critical mass got they got the critical mm-hmm. mass so quickly, of course, you know. But just as was the case with websites in the mid '90s, and with blogs, um, and uh, uh, you know. Any kind of user-generated things. I mean, people. I, I probably can't say the, uh, the the word that this site has has its base, but blank company um, uh, in 1999 was the one that was uh, a user-generated site that was all about. It was it was kind of the uh, the grim reaper for companies that were starting to to falter, and mm-hmm. people were really in a big a big buzz about you know blank companies site, and everybody was on it throughout you know our industry. You know, well. At some point, you have to say to yourself, okay, if it's pandering to a certain element, how important really is it for my business? You know, there is always going to be a stratification no matter what media segment you're talking about. It's the, same, mm-hmm. the same is true with blogs now. People say, well, you know, blogs are so important. Well, without search, blogs aren't nearly as important. So what you have to do is manage search, manage your results. If the blog results that are negative to you uh, are the ones that are higher on search, then you have to manage that. You're not going to be able to go after bloggers. You know, there's, there's, especially if you're in some sort of a very visible situation, be it a political situation or a, a lawsuit or you know, something that's been, you know, very controversial, it's like chasing ants. You know, you're uh-huh. not going to be able to do it, but if you manage the top, if you manage, you know, the thing that feeds blogs, which is, or the, you know, the blogs are about, which is about search results, then you'll be able to, to you know, to, to manage. Right. Just like everything on the web, nothing exists in a vacuum. Um, do you have any clients that you're working with now that are, um, you don't have to mention any names, that are using user-generated content well? Um, I, I have clients that really have um, struggles with it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when you say using it well, it's funny. I'd, I'd like to think that there's, there's one client, and, and thank you for telling, telling me I don't have to mention them because I really hate to you know, <laughs> mention them directly. But um, I have this client who doesn't know what they're doing at all. <laughs> Well, there's, there's, I have a, um, a client that's, uh, that is really getting, they're, they're dipping their toes in. It's a finance client that's dipping their toes in the web, um, and and just learning how to really make a commitment to it. Um, and the way that they're, the way that they've been unable to manage it has been very, very frustrating for them. Um, and here I come, you know, just in the last few months with my team, 
trying to educate them on how this media, how this medium works at the onset, like in the very, very beginning. You know, if, if you have been out of the web game and now you're seeing that, you know, your company's mentioned unfavorably in blogs or your competitors are leveraging blogs and you haven't even done anything in terms of building your own website or in terms of having a presence or, you know, you don't even understand how search engines work and how you can optimize, you're talking about a steep learning curve. You know, it's, there's a lot to learn. The fact is that outside of a few industries, that's most of the U.S. Most of the, the opportunity for people uh, who understand how this medium works is so tremendous because outside of major cities um, and outside of a few industries, by and large, companies have not taken advantage of the web. And it's, it's really, it's kind of amazing when you think about it because, uh, you know, if we feel, those of us who've been in the industry for a long time feel like, oh, it's a mature industry now. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, let's check back in about eight or ten years because <laughs> the, the ramp-up that we've seen in the last couple of years doesn't surprise me one bit. You know, 30% more, 30% more, it's just going to become greater, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All of us have been in this business for more than five years. We think that everybody out there is like us, so we have to right. put everybody else through the famous grandmother test, you know? Yeah, it's true. I, I, um, in, in the column, I always feel like I, I'm kind of a, an, an ombudsman for the consumer because I think that we, it's very easy for us to, uh, um, you know, be in our little ivory tower uh, be a little bit insular uh, within this industry because of all the advantages that we see. I mean, when's the last time I always, I always say to people in our business, when's the last time you try to explain what you do? You know, as you said, you know, the grandmother test. When's the last time you try to explain what you do to your parents? <laughs> you know, who, who, oh, forget you, it. You, I've given up a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's very confusing stuff. It's very important, I mean, for, especially for practitioners, for the people in the consulting world, the marketing world, in our industry, it's very important to have patience about these things and to not really get so caught up in the buzz. I mean, the first thing I said about user-generated content is it's buyer beware, and there's a major stratification. Okay, so the more you know about it, the more you understand that there are some sites that are very significant, and there's some ways you can control your message. There are some things you can do. It's not this big monolith, oh, my God, we have to you know, take 10% of our budget and put it here and you know, have to do tests. No, 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 no. There's, there's, you know, take your time. <laughs> it's going to be around, you know? Um, any specific suggestions, best practices so far that have crystallized that you can suggest to people just trying this out? For an, an, U, an UGC? Yeah. Is that what you mean? I think, mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> the, the first thing I would say is look at, make sure you spend a lot of time on the sites that you're considering, sites or networks that you're considering. And before you even do any tests, make sure that whatever the most negative thing that your brand could be associated with, that you familiarize yourself with it on that site or network. Because unless you can get absolute assurance from the media that that's not going to happen, it's going to happen. So if you're not comfortable, look elsewhere. If you can withstand it, if you're you know, a record label or whatever, you know, as I said earlier on, you know, it, it depends on what kind of brand you're talking about. If you can withstand the negativity, you know, if the, some of the images are, are distasteful or objectionable or whatever that your brand is going to be near, then, then move ahead with your testing. But ask the hard questions about the assurances that they can provide. That's the real challenge for the UGC sites, UGC media right now, is how, how they can really assure uh, brands, the people that are, that are putting money into the, into the sites, um, mm-hmm. how they can really assure them that the, their brand is going to be aligned with the images, that, images and messages that uh, are favorable. But that seems almost like an, uh, an oxymoron as far as user-generated content is concerned. Um, any kind of assurance is, you know, a coin toss. Well, it, it, depending on which uh, sites you're talking about, um, they, there are a lot of different things that the sites are doing now 
to filter, not necessarily the content, but to filter where the brand can be seen. Um, some of these are getting better than others. I know that I've, I've mentioned MySpace before. I might as well stick with them. They have spent a lot of money on this to try to figure out how to do that, and uh, it's helped. It's definitely helped. You know, it, I, I don't know that they can make any guarantees now. I'm, I'm, I'm not up to speed on that right now, but um, right. that's what they're working toward, and they'll be able to do it. At some point, they will. I, I should think that all the major UGC networks and sites will be able to. They'll have to. Yeah, from the revenue standpoint, they're going to have to get more editorially involved in all of this, right? Right. Is that right. where you see the future of it? It's, I mean, right now, user-generated content is really user-generated. There's very few, I don't want to use the word censorship, um, but there's very few kind of governing parties out mm-hmm. there. Do you see that increasing in the future? I think it, it has to. And let's not forget that, you know, the thing that starts the whole mindset around UGC is blogs. Blogs are always supposed to be moderated. So depending mm-hmm. on, you know, who the blog moderator is and what their objectives are, if they want to monetize it, they're going to have to be involved at some level. You know, this kind of editorial thing that we're describing, it's going to have to take place. The same is true with any sort of UGC site, if it's uh, uploading video or, you know, shoosh time or whatever, the, you know, whatever kind of site you're talking about. If they want to actually monetize it and be in the media um, business, if you will, uh, instead of just, you know, something else where they're parlaying the crazy stuff that's on the site or objectionable stuff on the site... Uh, into you know more users and more user data that they then <laughs> parse and monetize. Well, you know you have a choice. It's a it's not a chicken and egg, but it's something like that. If I'm if I have a site, you know, if I have MarkNaples.com and I have all kinds of stuff you know, being submitted by users, and I before I know it, I've got millions and millions of homepages and stuff like that, and a lot of it's very objectionable. Okay, now how am I going to make money? Okay, I, 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 if I can't sell the uh, sell advertising to it, or if it can't really sell it in any sort of a premium, then all I'm going to have to sell is the user, the user, uh, the PII, the user data. A lot of these sites mm-hmm. are doing that. How much, how much the people that are on the sites care? Well, so far it seems like they don't care that much because there's a Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, it's going to be. But one of the things, I'm sorry about the siren there. Um, one of the things that's really notable about that demographic is that, that if they understand the quid pro quo, you know, they have this, this, this kind of specific entertainment. Um, then it's not, it's not a big deal to them. You know, go ahead. You can market to me. You can have your partners market to me, you know. Um, right. I, don't, I don't see that necessarily uh, being a bad thing, you know, for them. But I think in the, in the larger scheme, it's, uh, it's kind of ironic, you know, because I, they're, what they're giving up is, is, to me anyway, it's pretty dear. Huh. <laughs> it's just a daunting topic. Um, there's not a lot of research out there. There's not a lot of experience case studies out there, and everybody's just trying to wrap their heads around it. Yeah. Um, how does this uh, fit into, um, I guess a general question, how does this fit into the rest of the web um, as far as um Like if you build agency, a media plan? The, well, agency interest. Is it still kind of wait and see kind of thing? I know we discussed a little bit about this, but um, specifically with your clients, I know they're cautious. I know they're um, you know, still kind of doing the wait-and-see approach, where are they spending the bulk of their money if not on user-generated content? I, it's, it's definitely not on UGC. UGC, to me, if you think of kind of, you know, the carrot and stick marketing, you know, the carrot, to me, is not there. Uh, it's, uh-huh. it's really more about stick. It's what to be aware of, you know, in, uh-huh. UGC, in, uh, in blogs and UGC. Um, and you're, you're, you're kind of managing search results uh, against those. But the, um, to me, where the money is going is local. I mean, there's a lot of money heading into local, especially if it's well-targeted local. And I don't right. mean necessarily local search. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot more money being spent, and you've seen the results. I mean, any, any of your listeners probably have seen the results of how digital newspapers are really coming around. You know, there's a lot yeah. more services out there for that that are being able to, uh, you know, to, to parse, um, you know, by, by, uh, by DMA uh, services mm-hmm. that didn't exist before. You know, I mean, people are getting better at this. Uh, so there's a lot there's a there's a lot that's going on with that, and um, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, when you're talking about high demographic targeting uh, for auto ads and that sort of thing, I mean the, the way people are leveraging video on uh, on on major sites is becoming very important. One, um, so where do you see the money for UGC coming from? Uh, from from the same things, the same uh, sort of brands that uh, advertise in. Um, Maxim, <laughs> you know, that sort of a publication <laughs> where you're targeting the, right. the you know, pre-25 set. Um, mm-hmm. If you pick up, if you pick up a, uh, uh, an FHM or something like that, you'll probably see a lot of the same brands that you see, uh, except for like deodorant and, you know, P&G type brands. You'll probably okay. see a lot of the same sort of products being marketed on, uh, mm-hmm. uh, on UGC sites. Do you see it usurping any of the online sectors like search or uh, rich media or, you know, any of those? No, I really don't. I think it's. I think it's just part of the rising tide of our industry. Um, I don't see it uh, uh, taking over. I don't see it displacing. I really don't. I, I think it's very different. And and the sort of, uh, if you think about where more and more of the money is coming online from the major brands, um, those brands are not going on UGC. They're just not. They're they're really afraid of blogs. You know, they're they're they have to build their own blogs to combat the other blogs and search results. You know, um, but you know, Fortune 500 brands, no, I don't see it. I see them. I see them coming in a lot more heavily in video, uh, in portals, uh, in the major, you know, the top fifty sites, but not in UGC. And I, I think that the, the amount that they're coming in is going to really surprise people. I think these thirty percent numbers we've had the last couple of years are nice, but they're going to get even bigger. Let's hope. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sakes, yeah right? none, none of us is busy <laughs> enough now, right? <laughs> Mark, I want to thank you very, very much for joining us today. This is obviously the tip of the iceberg in both this particular conversation and the UGC sector overall. Um, I hope we can have you back to talk about it some more um, as the sector develops. Um, For now, we are completely out of time. Mark, thank you very much. John Vincent, who joined us earlier on the show, also thank you very much. And we'll, um, we'll talk to you all again soon. Welcome to the Webmaster Institute for Financial Advancement, webmasterradio.fm. It's like radio with a PhD.